Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, welcome to the program. Great to be with you, Dr. Paul. Good. There were a lot of announcements this morning before our program, and uh, the markets are digesting it because there was an announcement on unemployment, and the unemployment rates went, you know, way down. Fantastic. Many, many jobs created more than anybody expected. And uh, it sounded like great news. But this indicates uh, how the reaction is on Wall Street, depending on dealing with what will the Fed do about it? You know, in an ordinary sense that uh, if you were in a free market or you had a sensible Fed that knew something, you'd say, oh, there's a lot of employment. This is very good. The market should soar. But exactly the opposite happened. Who knows? They may be back up already. But the, the initial reaction was for the market to go right down because the market players, the people who want to jump on every bit of information, they said, oh, you know, the market's doing better. This is good news. Uh, so that means, let's see, what does that mean for the Fed? Oh, the Fed will have license now to inflate because they are a little worried about the prices going up. You know, oil is up to $92 a barrel, which is something nobody even talked about today. But anyway, the interesting thing and in that something we want to talk about today is how the Fed operates. What do they know and why are their reactions? And then how do the millions and millions of people and billions, if not trillions of dollars being shifted around on one word or one interpretation? And the truth is the Fed really doesn't know exactly what they're doing. And uh, it's guesswork. And that's also why there's such, a, such chaos. And I think one of the basic things, Chris, that they have wrong, and we'll talk about the many basic fallacies that we think exist, and that is the inability to identify with a unit of account, which means, can you define the unit of account? Most people say, well, what are you talking about? Well, it used to be a long time ago, uh, you know, in many, many, for many, many centuries, there was a unit of account and it was a weight of gold or silver. And, that, and the most long lasting was a weight of gold. And that was the unit of account. And they would measure things and that sort of settled things and smoothed things out because there's tremendous number of transactions between supplier and consumers and how to come together, you know, the visible hand, how does it work? And how do you make these calculations? But you have to have a unit of account. And I always make the analogy that this is like trying to build a skyscraper and you don't have a unit of measure and it doesn't work out so well. So they're trying to build an economy without a unit of account. And one of the most important things on that, of course, would be uh, once you get the unit of account, is what do they charge? What is the interest rate uh, to move it around? So Chris, uh, I think there's several things that we can talk about today, the fallacies that, that go on. And I think that's so important. The fallacies are the beliefs they have, the economic beliefs, and we're not challenging the, uh, the, uh, the Austrian economists, the free market economists, hard money economists, we're challenging, you know, probably nearly a hundred years of Keynesian type of economic interventionism and the declaration that fiat money is okay. That's what we're challenging. But there's been many fallacies that have been preached at our universities and many fallacies that they practice that leads to this 
uh, chaos that we have. And, and uh, the way I see it, Chris, is that it's not just the Fed that messed things up now, because it was this additional problem thrown in with intervention in the economy and the lockdowns and the things that we have talked about on this program for a long time, because that has caused a lot of pain and suffering as well. Chris? Right. And part of the pain and suffering uh, that we're all experiencing is the price inflation, you know, with gas prices, food prices. These are very important prices. Uh, but the, the way to avoid this is for the Fed not to counterfeit money uh, or manipulate interest rates. But that's why the Fed is there to manipulate interest rates and counterfeit money to finance the government. Um, so the moment that the Fed starts this process, uh, they assure that there must be at some point a recession or depression in the future. This is unavoidable because we're dealing with economic laws. So when they artificially push down interest rates, you know, we don't have real interest rates and inflate the money supply, they create a bubble. When uh, the prices uh, go up and they want to fight those price rises, they'll raise interest rates and pop the bubble. It's not hard to understand. And they believe that they can control this process. And it may appear that way uh, for a while. You know, it's been a while. The Fed has been around for a while. But ultimately, they reach a point where they can't. And we got a good glimpse of this back in 2008, where these monstrous, uh, uh, monstrous major of uh, brokerage firms, Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, not only did they take a hair, they disappeared completely. That just shows that they're operating under an illusion. And today, we're in a much, much worse position than back in 2008. And think of all those firms that just disappeared. So it's, it's an illusion, just like the bubbles are, are an illusion. Uh, the only way to avoid this is to have sound money. It's not very complicated. Very good. And, and, you know, the dilemma that so many people now are talking about, uh, because even the establishment uh, financiers and bankers and people who like it, like their largesse licensed smooth and come, uh, come to them. And that's why they like the Fed. But right now there's an unease because I, they, they believe the Fed has lost control and they, they can't predict what's going to happen. But I think what they're doing right now, everybody's recognizing this. And they said the Fed, the Fed is trapped because in, the price inflation is there and they know how big a political uh, issue that is and the people are reacting to it. And of course our beef is, is, is the people who are reacting are saying, well, the government needs to give them more money because our prices are going up rather than sor sorting it all out. So they, uh, so the Fed though said, uh, and, and they usually refer to Volcker, there were some of the circumstances that happened in the seventies and Paul Volcker had the guts to come in and, and, and you know, make the changes that at that time uh, actually improve things uh, for a while longer. And that was to bring on a recession. So it's always so ironic that the, at this stage and at the stage it was in 79 and 80 was the purpose of the Fed was to lower prices. And they did that by low, you know, making the markets weaker bring on a recession, depression. And they were dumbfounded back then because they called it stagflation. What is that? Uh, well, we were always taught that, you know, if you have inflation, uh, then the employment rate uh, is improved. 
you know, but uh, they, they, they figured we'll, we'll just do this and that, that will take care of it. But uh, the, the other thing is if they don't do, if they, if they don't bring on the recession, then they say they're gonna have too much inflation and these conditions don't exist in free markets, maybe to a minor sense, but you don't have a, a five, six, seven people, whoever's involved in monetary policy, you, you don't have that because the, the assumption that most Austrian economists and free market people say is, how do they know? They don't know what the money supply should be. They, but oh, but we'll regulate it and we'll figure it out and we'll calculate it. And we have these charts, we have this, this equation to work out at 17 pages long, and that'll tell us exactly what the interest rate should be. But people are right, like right now, people are losing uh, confidence that the government has the vaguest idea about what COVID is all about. Uh, and I think a lot of people right now are saying the Fed are, you know, between a rock and a hard place. And this is what they're struggling to do. They're struggling to try to find out and give us information that they don't have because they don't know it. And that's why the chaos is going to continue. Because my prediction under these circumstances is uh, even though Volcker did it to a reasonable amount of success, he brought on a bad recession and, and that calmed the markets down. I, I, I don't think they're going to purposely raise interest rates to purposely have a recession to purposely put a dent in rising uh, prices. Uh, I, I think they'll, uh, they're not going to bring on the recession. Uh, I mean, they'll, they'll be a recession, but they're not going to do it with raising interest. They're going to give in and just keep printing. So the recession will still come and the stagflation is possible and you can have inflationary depressions as well. People say, well, if you have depressions, there's low demand, the prices have to go down. But well, what about, uh, what about Bolivia and uh, uh, you know, Zimbabwe and Venezuela? They have tremendous inflation, but a very weak economy. And uh, the, the weak economy, did that bring down prices? No, it destroyed the value of the money. So they are in a dilemma but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, unfortunately for me, I, I'm fascinated with this because it's uh, how are, because it's psychological. How are they going to react? What are they going to do? What's the market going to do? It is all unpredictable. So you can have a guessing game, but it's not good economic policy. Let me tell you what we're doing here. Uh, we're living on the edge of a very dangerous situation. Chris. Absolutely, Dr. Paul. And speaking of psychology, uh, they've done a fantastic job of fooling people into believing that the stock market is it. You know, as long as the stock market is up, everything is fine. And everybody walks in lockstep, the media, if you turn on the TV, they'll tell you about the stock market, the record Dow. You pick up a magazine, your professor at college, you, everybody gets the same message. Uh, so you could be down to your last crust of bread. And they will tell you that everything is great. Look at the Dow. Boy, isn't everything great. And, you know, uh, the wealthy people, they don't care about rising prices. It affects people like us, you know, uh, because they make up for it. They're, they're the ones in the stock market. The average person doesn't care about the stock market. Uh, they're not uh, making funny money, you know. So the price rises affect everyone. That's why there's a disconnect 
between people that are making their money in the Dow versus uh, you know those who have no interest in it whatsoever. Uh, now that's not to say that that's not to put down stock market per se. The stock market is very very important, especially if there were was a free market economy. It's it's a, a wonderful way to allocate and reallocate capital, but the stock market has to tell you the truth. It has to tell you the truth about supply and demand and uh, the state of the economy. Uh, we do not have that today. Our current system is illusions. Things look great, like Dr. Paul said. You know, uh, it's 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 illusionary. And uh, the only way to get rid of this fantasy world illusion is again to have sound money and free markets. You know, I want to talk a second about uh, the, the deceit that goes on with this, and you <laughs> alluded to it, because they're, they're not going to level with us. Oh, we're sorry. We don't know what we're doing. So let's, let's just quit this nonsense. But basically, in the Federal Reserve Act, they specifically mentioned that their job is to provide stable prices and uh, also uh, high employment. And today's report said, wow. Employment's going way up in spite of all the crazy things uh, going on, but prices aren't stable, so they haven't accomplished that yet. But they've actually added, in recent years, added a third function, and this is closer to admitting the truth, that they should be concerned about long-term interest rates, which justifies as QEs, you know, buying all these bonds and things that they do, and they own so much of that already. So they really have three things. But the, the fourth one is probably the one that drives the markets and drives the Fed, but they don't admit it and they don't put it out in the writing. But their goal is to keep the stock market up and keep rich people rich. I really, I really believe that. That doesn't mean that there's no spillover and that doesn't mean every rich person is going to you know, benefit, but the super rich uh, you know, benefit tremendously from this. And it's usually some people can pick out 1% of the top or 5%, but one thing that we know, the bottom half and maybe the bottom three quarters suffer from this type of economy. But my point is, is the market really, this is the interference and one of the number one, probably the number one purpose of the Federal Reserve under current circumstances is to take care of the wealthy by manipulating the stock market and making sure these stocks go up. And already, you know, in spite of, uh, you, you know, the market surviving and people, uh, uh, you know, surviving, you could see even some rich people can lose under these shaky markets. There's too much imbalance. So they will have a job even carrying out this. They're not going to be able to carry out, you know, stable prices or, uh, or uh, deal with the unemployment. That's all going to get worse. So they're, they're not accomplishing what they pretend to accomplish. But uh, as of now, a lot of rich are benefiting and a lot of rich will continue to benefit. But that to me is one of the most dangerous things going on because that causes the conflict between the rich and the poor and the middle class and sets the stage for the Marxists to move in. And see, we told you freedom doesn't work. That's why you need to join us in the uh, effort to promote Marxism. Yes, Dr. Paul, that is a scary prospect, and they look for openings like that. And they'll easily claim this is free markets, this is freedom. There is nothing of the sort, not even close. Uh, you know, this week we just uh, we saw a, a new milestone was hit by our our uh, you know fiscally conservative government. They hit thirty trillion in debt 
this week. I mean, what a scheme they have going. They just pay off old debts with new debts. It's and they think that they can do this forever. Uh, you know, and some of them may say, well, look, it's 30 trillion. You know, what's unsustainable? When does it stop? And no one could possibly know the answer to that. But it's best to look around. Let's see how things are. Look at the mentality of the people. They think that, that what government does is free, free jabs, free masks, free stimulus. All this free stuff is not, it's, it's not free at all. You know, and so many people in our country have been accustomed to having their hands out. You know, give me more free stuff. I have a right to it, they claim. Uh, and it's not just individuals, it's companies, it's states that need bailouts. It's other countries that uh, the US props up. It's such a massive thing that they have going. And when, they, when you do this, the demands only, only get greater. They never go down. The more handouts, more free, so-called free stuff you give, the more hands will appear in your face. So it ultimately just spirals out of control and the gears have to grind to a halt. This, we are not any more special than anybody who has lived in all of human history to think you could pull this off forever. You can pull it off for a while, but ultimately they will grind to a halt. And you know there's gonna be a lot of surprised people to find out that the government really has nothing else to give. Chris, it's a very important item that you brought, the issue of debt, because you, you can bring all this together if you think just about the debt. Why is it there? Who benefits and how that interferes with the markets and how it interferes with economic growth? Because debt is a, a big item. And right now, if you look at what's happened in the last decade, it's unbelievable. And this, this whole thing that now, now the national debt has popped up over $30 trillion. Nobody visualizes it. And see, that doesn't matter. But there's a purpose in this. There's a fallacy in this because, uh, uh, especially you hear it, uh, hear the terms from the socialists and the Marxists in the Congress, because they say this is good, this is good. And even the Fed, even the Fed, how many years did they talk about our purpose is to get the interest rates up? Uh, uh, you know, prices up. We need more inflation, at least two percent. And what they're talking about is devaluing the currency and the value of their currency of all people who might save their money, you know, and act like a human being. The 2%, that was their goal. And all I could think when every time they said 2%, 2%, when it hit 2%, it's, it's gone. It was lasted for about one day. The, the next number I heard was 5%. And now, now we have to talk about 10%. But the purpose of it and the reason why they want inflation, they think, it's okay is they know debt is bad so you have to pay off the debt and the market demands that it be liquidated now a lot of people say well you know we have to raise the national debt or the checks will bounce no they never they never allow that to happen the checks aren't going to bounce but the value of the money is going to bounce so they they print the money and uh, at 2%, the real debt goes down. So if you uh, double the money supply, this is just theoretical, double the money supply, it increased uh, uh, prices, uh, you know, uh, doubling all prices, then all of you said, oh, oh, there's the, the real debt has gone down by half. So uh, the real debt goes way down and that's what they're doing. They're liquidating debt because you can pay it off with cheap money. Uh, and, and they actually talk about that. This is a good time to borrow money because you can pay it back with cheaper money. Well, even that doesn't tempt me to want to do it because I think that, uh, you know, uh, the debt has to be paid. So how, how does the, the market, uh, the market will do it 
uh, you know, with the devaluation, and the government will do it with devaluation. But people who worry about, uh, you know, getting a Congress and a president to vote to cut spending and live within our means, uh, that is not going to happen. So the option is either an individual can work harder, uh, spend less, get another job, and you know work off their debt, which a lot of people still do, but governments don't do that. What they do is they print the money. That's why fiat money is so popular by most individuals. The, the, even the, those who receive the largesse at the lower end of the scale, they like it too, not realizing they'll, they'll pay all the bills on the spending, the debt, and the deficits are paid for by higher uh, cost of living. And poor people percentage-wise pay most of the debt. So the poor people get the inflation debt and all they can, uh, on the, with all the uh, education that we've uh, given young people and Keynesianism and the universities are filled with it, this is good because the debt is going down. Of course, the poor suffer and the rich get richer. And that's what uh, I, I think is, is so dangerous. So the uh, whole, whole thing there is that uh, debt will be liquidated. The government, people worry, oh, we have to raise the national debt uh, or my social security check might not come. No, you're gonna get your automatic increases on it. What you won't have control of because the government doesn't have control of it. The market is too powerful. And that means this system will demand that the purchasing power of the so-called unit of account, the Federal Reserve now is going to go down and that will be tragic. Yes, very good, Dr. Paul. I'm going to make my closing statement now. Uh, you know, I have to ask our viewers and listeners, uh, did you ever wonder how a government that's 30 trillion in debt, they're constantly coming up with new spending as if they're not? You know, you hear about Green New Deals and Build Back Better and trillions and trillions, and you think, how is this possible? How, you don't have any money. How are you going to pay for all this? And it's not like we get a bill in the mail. We don't go out to our mailbox and say, here's your portion of the Green New Deal. The Fed prints the money. That's how they get the money. They don't care about $30 trillion. As long as this thing's going, they're going to keep going. Uh, but the bill, that doesn't mean there isn't a bill. As Dr. Paul pointed out, we see the bill when we go to the supermarket, when we go to the gas station. That's the bill when you have these rising prices, there are no free lunches, you know? And, but what this system is, is a government that has no financial restraints. Whatever they wanna do, the Fed will accommodate. They'll print the money for it. And when you have a government with no restraints, you eventually will have people in those government governments who believe they have no restraints whatsoever, not just financial. And look at COVID, how they treated everyone. They believe that they have no restraints. They'll tell you to sit in your house and that's it. Now, of course, in the end, there are financial restraints. It's called economic laws. It's called supply and demand. And when the time is up, the time will be up and it will be a major adjustment for everyone. The people in government, the people relying on government who believe them this whole time. We're here to just provide the alternative. First, explain the truth, but also to provide the alternative ideas. We need sound money. No one should be ever allowed to counterfeit, just like our founders uh, wanted. We need free markets, separate corporations from the government. Right now, they are attached to the hip, and everybody can see it. 
And finally, and most importantly, we have to, as Dr. Paul has championed for all these years, audit, and then finally end the Fed. Okay, very, very good, Chris. And I'm going to close with uh, talking about uh, an, an additional factor that is used in a different uh, program that is used to manipulate the Fed to protect the very wealthy. This has to, has to do with the collusion between the financial markets, which is more direct and more open now uh, with the Federal Reserve. And what I'm talking about is uh, Larry Fink and BlackRock. Uh, they are under management, the largest management of uh, investment funds of anybody, and it's over a trillion dollars that they manage fund. But they also, Larry Fink, he works in collusion with, with the Federal Reserve. He actually plays a role in it. He's part of it because he has a lot to say about the distribution of the day-to-day -day activity, where, where the money goes. Because, you know, most of the money that bails out uh, the economy are supposed to uh, occurs, uh, you know, in secret. It, it's just Fed doing it behind the scene to the tune of trillions and trillions of dollars. Yes, the Congress gets involved and they pass a bill here or there, but it's a collusion between corporations. It's part of this whole idea of the purpose of the of the uh, of the Federal Reserve uh, is to protect the very wealthy. So that that is is going on uh, constantly. And the one thing that is very sinister and we should all be concerned about is the appointees to the Federal Reserve Board as well as, uh, as, as, the, as the appointees to the Supreme Court. Uh, one of the tests they have is they have to be woke. It's the woke is amusing. Larry Fink is part of that. They're part of this radical environmentalism to use this to emotionalize the issue so that they can do these things. And of course, the administration is lockstep in there. And anybody who gets appointed have to be woke. And, and, and we, we're starting to see the backfire of this. You know, part of the wokeism was Black Lives Matter. They were, they were interfering there with Soros, pumping that money in. And look, at least they got caught. You know, they're, they're in a little trouble. But uh, I, I, the, the penalty will not be very, very severe, I'll tell you. I, th I think it, it will be minor compared to, uh, compared to what happens if, uh, if somebody commits a crime and they go and they demonstrate it to the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> you get locked up forever if you do something like that. So this, this whole system is directed, and this is this uh, these items that we talked about today that motive, that motivated me early on when I first started studying this, uh, especially in the time of uh, before the Bretton Woods broke down in 1971, on the importance, the overwhelming importance of controlling a very powerful currency, a world currency. Uh, with a as the reserve currency of the world at the same time and having a powerful military and can sort of run the world. But that's coming to an end too, as the economy crumbles. I think the power and the illegal, immoral approach to us in the international world by starting worlds, uh, wars, you know, we worry about a coup. There was, there was a coup occurring on January 6th. Do you have any idea how many coups we participated in over the last 70 years? One of the biggest ones that has caused trouble to this day was uh, uh, getting rid of Mossadegh in Iran in 1953. 
I mean, that's what really started it. And they remember that. They don't, Americans don't, uh, don't remember very much about history, but I'll tell you what, there are some people in the Middle East that believe they've been mistreated by us. They never forget. And we have to remember that. We have to get people to remember what it was like in America when we were a free country. I wanna thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.